What is up and what is going on? Welcome back to another installment of the Rufus Rundown. Here, doing a solo run, which I feel like I haven't done in ages. I've only brought guests on in recent times. Finally back on here doing my solo thing. I still want to be bringing guests on, of course. Um, I still want to be doing that. But we have a lot to get into before I even talk about what my plans and future plans for the show are. So, start it off. I mean, first and foremost, I mean... Anchor bringing you this as well, but this uh, episode and the rest of the Rufus Rundown will be brought to you by Vins Organics. It's a Vins Organics is a pain solve with a blend of natural herbs and oils, formulated to alleviate aches and pains, reduce inflammation, and speed the recovery process. It is a pleasant smelling solve. It has a light cooling sensation, so it's like icy hot with all all the stimulant based stuff. It's it's a really helpful thing. Um, you just apply it to the affected areas. Helps with like stuff like tattoos and getting and, and having that feel better and, and bruises as well. Personally, I can say it for the bruises. Um, I, I I busted up my arms pretty good over the summer, um, and the pain solve that I had gotten from from Vinny, who's actually going to become a guest in the podcast eventually too. Uh, I'll link all this stuff in the description. That it helped me a ton within the pain solves that he gave me. Uh, I know there's like tattoo related ones as well too. So. I'll link all that down in the description to uh, Vin's Organics and to Vinny's stuff. And Vinny will eventually be joining me on the show. So, like I said, we have a lot of stuff to get into. I, I still want to review the NFL games from the weekend. Um, of course, like I think Saturday. I think the, the schedule that I really want to get on is Tuesday, Friday. Um, Tuesday, Friday is the schedule I want to get on whether I record it Monday nights and stuff. It's just tough like, where my room is set up. I don't want to be too loud late at night. I'd really like to do it right after the Monday night game, but I might have to move my office setup, which isn't the end of the world, but it just, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to have to move all this stuff again, but it might be, it might be, it might be for the best. It might be the best because I can put the best content up when I'm back where the other setup was. So that might be the way uh, the cookie crumbles. I'm not sure yet, um, but we're going to see where that goes. Um, so yeah, the Tuesday, Friday schedule is really what I want to do. But, I mean, we're going to really have to see. But, like I said, we have the NFL games that I want to review and cover. Um, they obviously have the Thursday night game to talk about, too. I'll start off with the NFL games, the NBA draft, the Chris Paul trade, uh, the trades with Drew Holiday and the Pelicans, and, like I said, the NBA draft as well, too. Uh, the Masters I want to get into. I want to touch on some of the U.S. men's national team, too, and their international friendlies. Um, I'm not going to get too into any Liverpool-related stuff. I'll wait until, the, until we get back to the Champions League next week, I think. I'll touch on that Tuesday when I review um, a lot of my NFL picks this weekend. I'm finally going to get back to making picks, too. Because uh, I remember I was making picks back in the podcast. Like When I originally started the podcast, it was a hit segment. People liked that. People really liked the um, the way I made the picks, the music, and everything. And that, not to mention the fact that I made pretty good picks. I've been making good picks all year. I've been hanging around uh, around like 8-5 and five on average each week, each week, above 500. I think last week was like the first week I've actually been below 500 um, at all. So... I was thinking about making those the podcast, so thankfully I didn't. But we're going to start making those the podcast again and start really tracking them well to see how much money I can make people. Or just how how much I know and how good I am at making these picks. Um, so I guess we'll get it. That, that's that's your opening. And we have, a I guess, a little bit of the State of the Union. Before we get into the State of the Union, this show is also brought to you by Elite Athletic Gear. Uh, Elite Athletic Gear is athlete uh, gear made by athletes for athletes. And again, like I've said plenty of times, it's good-looking stuff. It's really good in the value. 
I still have the headband. I think the headband right here. Yeah, here's the here's the E on it. I'm gonna focus in on. It. There it is. Yep, the Elite Athletic Gear. Use the code Rufus Rundown to get yourself 15% off. Um, so go head over there, Elite Athletic Gear. I'll leave the link in the bio, uh, EliteAthleticGear.com. It's all linked over my socials as well too. If you guys want to check out their stuff and get yourself 15% off, especially with the holidays coming around too, uh, you can knock 15% off. I'm sure like with the with the Black Friday deals, it'd be even more. It'd be a crazy amount of percentage actually get off. It'd be giving away free stuff basically. So use that 15% over there with the code uh, Rufus Rundown. So now we can get into, I guess, some of my personal stuff, like where I've been, what's going on, what is the state of the podcast. Now, I had a lot of stuff going on. I still, I love doing this, and that's and that's what I'm going to dedicate a lot more of my time to. I'm going to be leaving UMass Dartmouth, or at least taking a semester or two off. But I mean, I know that for a fact that I'm going to be leaving. I'm, no, I'm going to be leaving. I mean, like, it's gonna, it might be a semester or two at first, but it, it depends on whether, I mean, maybe back, maybe years later, maybe I go back. But it, I'm going to be going for more of like the broadcasting and communications. Now, where that is and how I do that, I've yet to determine. That's where the whole semester off thing comes in. Um, but there are some different avenues that I'm looking into and researching into. But leaving UMass is where that all begins, where that all starts. And that's just going to happen. Nothing crazy too personal to school or anything. It's just there's different avenues I want to explore for my career, for my life, and for what I want to do. And um umass just doesn't really provide a, enough of the opportunities for me to find it worth it to continue going and on top of that it just the way the whole online setup went it just wasn't it, it wasn't wasn't cutting it for me wasn't doing it so we're moving on from there and i said no hard feelings nothing nothing personal with anybody it's just or anything with the school for that matter it's just how i have to set myself up for the future and pursuing my dreams of doing this full-time doing this podcast full-time and working for 98.5 or eei which like I said, trying to line up a lot of my career stuff right now. I'm trying to really um, just get some stuff lined up with that time to really push myself up and build a very decent resume for myself to move on and move up in my career and in the world. Um, and I've been doing that with local cable too. I can't say enough about New Bedford local cable and actually calling a game completely solo for um, DC TV, Dartmouth, uh, I think Dartmouth Community TV, sort of the, it's the, the, the uh, acronym there. But and I can link all those games and stuff too. I'll link all those in the bio. I want—I actually kind of want to chop some of them down for the highlights of my calls because that New Bedford game that I called, New Bedford versus Dartmouth, was really an incredible game. So I'll have to link that in the bio. I know I posted on my story. I posted a lot of the stuff about it to go watch it, but I'll have to link it again and I'll try and chop some of it down for people to really show like some of the cool moments. There was a really good game between them too, even through all the COVID rules and everything. It's been really tough. Um, for the players as well as us to understand how it's going down, but I've had a blast doing it. So once the winter comes back around winter sports and stuff, I'll even, I'll have even more fun with that. And I, it's been just a blessing. It's been an absolute blessing to be able to get into it and do it on that stage other than just here. Not that I have a problem doing it just here. It's just so many different avenues, so many different things that I can put together to put onto a resume right now to really break into what I want. And only being 21, it's a huge leg up. By 23, 24, I'll have a resume enough to really not just put my foot in the door, but kick down a door into a field that I really want to get into. So just the more of those things that come up, the more I'm going to be apt to do them and have enjoyed doing it, and the better I'm going to get at all of it. The more I do it, the better I'm going to get. That's what I have to understand going solo, too. I try to make everything so perfect and be just just eye perfection with this. It's never going to be perfect. It's ne it's never going to be perfect no matter, how good I, no matter how good I get or how big I get. You know, it doesn't matter. There's always going to be something better, and that's just how I'm formulated in my head, and I just have to deal with that. And the anxiety of it is not uh, not to just to pressure it so much, but just to 
did that being the expectation? Just, just I gotta manage my expectation there. It, it just it not, you know what I'm saying? Like I stay away from it at times because I know that I, it, I feel like it's not gonna be good enough or be up to par. Which doesn't mean do it all. This means get better with the next time. The only way you're gonna do that is by doing it. And that comes with anything, and especially podcasting, especially this. Um, a lot of like you know, you, I, I can say so much and educate myself so much, but it's stepping on here to say it. Um, but I think I carry the conversation pretty well myself. I just need to have that. You know, it's very, very few people I feel like can say that they actually love what that that they're good at. They, they love what they do, and they're also good at what they love. You know, it, it's a very unique thing that I have. I feel like I'm very good at this for my age, and I feel like I'm getting better and better at it. And like I said, it's very unique to be able to know I love this. You know, everybody can say, "Oh, I want to be an NFL player. I want to be a baseball player." Like, like I manage my expectations. I can still do all of what I love by talking about it. I study it because I've played it, but I have a passion for it too. Um, so like it's very, very. I think it's a very unique position that I sit in. That as a 21 year old, to know what I want to do, to love what I'm doing, and actually be good at it too at the same time, and being able to pursue that. So I think it's a very unique position for me to do that, and I'm incredibly excited to move forward with it. And that's why I'm taking a couple different avenues, and people can say what they want, but I know exactly what I'm setting myself up for. So I'm I'm getting after it. I'm attacking it. Um, I mean, life. The, the pandemic really opened my eyes to a lot of things. I'm in no rush. I'm in no, I'm in, I'm in no rush to put myself in a position um, to not like where I want to be in five years. I don't have to rush through school, rush this. Like, if I have to take one step back now to take three steps forward, three steps forward before you know, just doing the same old march, the same old dancing to the same old song, I'm willing to do that. If I have to sacrifice six months to be ahead where I, where I was going to be in a year, two years down the road, you know what I'm saying? The difference in time there. Um, I'm going to do it. You know, if I have to go back to school, I have to go back to school. But it, it, life is too short to not take a shot on what you love. And that's why I'm changing up a lot of my different paths and avenues right now to do something that is absolutely related to this and, and this field and how much I love it and how much I enjoy, you know, being in that field. So that's the, I guess that's the state of me and the state of the podcast, really. I mean, I've been on like zero dark 30 personally. I've barely touched my phone um, for anything outside sports related. I don't really pick up my phone often for people, just select people. And I've just been zoned in, just trying to really set myself up for some stuff way down the road. I'm just looking at things differently, trying to really take care of business. And it's nothing, per like I said, nothing personal to anybody, but I'm just, there's some things I got set up. There's some self-work that I'm trying to work on. And it ain't, it, it's not, like I said, it's not a personal thing. It's not a, a dis an anger thing. It's not a personal issue. Thing. It's just, I'm just doing my thing. I'm just doing it the way I need to do it. And I'm. I'm focused on me right now. I've spent a lot of my life focused on making other people happy, worried about other people. I don't think I spent enough time worrying about myself and doing enough for myself. And, you know, 21 years of not worrying about yourself or 20 years, I guess, 20 and a half years is a long time not worrying about yourself and worrying about other people more than yourself. So that being said, a lot of the focus is on myself. And I have no problem saying that. I don't think it's a mean thing to say. I think that the only person who's going to be able to do what you need to do is for you the person who's going to do the most for you is you. You know, you can find... I mean, it's great to surround yourself with good people and everything like that. And it's a very mutual thing going both ways. But at the end of the day, when when the chips are down, you got to call on someone, the, that person's going to be you. Nine times out of ten. You know, so you have you have to... Un, that, that's my understanding of it. And that pande this pandemic, again, may help me realize more than anything else is that that's, that's the deal. That's how it's going to have to go. So... Uh, like I said, worried about my worrying about myself, focusing on myself, and focusing on this craft here, and really separating some time for it to get myself into some good positions, um, 
internship, stuff like that, really set myself up well for the next couple of months because it's, there's no point in just taking a semester off or taking two semesters off and doing nothing with it. You know, I really want to use it. I want to use that time to be able to pursue my passion, pursue something that I love and pursue something that I'm good at. So that's basically it. There's your State of the Union. There's your opening. Now we can actually get into like the sports, what I really want to talk, what I really want to talk about here. But I mean, of course, that stuff has to be, you know, that, that stuff has to be touched upon. That stuff has to be talked about. Um, just just as a general gist of what's going on and everything like that. When I'm stepping months away, like I said I want to do two a week, and I want to, and I've always said like one guest a week. That seems like a bit much. I want to bring on a guest a month. Nate Tellier said he was willing to come on. I'm going to bring Zach Souza back on, of course. There's no way I don't bring Zach Souza back on. I've been in contact with the Breakfast of Champions. I'll continue to link their stuff in the bio because they're great at what they do. They've been really doing good. I'd say it's Vin DeMeo. And, like, one guest a month, you know? i, I got to bring – there's more – there's a couple of other people that I have thought of bringing on. And I think you guys will really enjoy it. I just got to set it up the right way. And I'm not going to rush – I'm not going to rush anything. i got to – this is a slow build-up. This is a slow build-up and – I have a lot of ideas for content, a lot of ideas to, you know, create some enjoyment for people, really people enjoy, create some entertainment, but that all that's all going to come with time. You can't take, you can't jump, you know, take, you can't, you can't like just jump up the stairs. You get, it's one step at a time. You can't, can't really leapfrog around with this. It all, it all begins, it, 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 it's a steady, steady pace here. And I'm willing to commit to that time. Like I said, I'm in no rush. I'm willing to commit to that time. Without further ado, our NFL Week 10 review. Wish I'd given my picks. I mean, I had picks on the sheet, and I did not do well last week. Like I said, the first week in a while where I've gone actually gone below 500. Um, and it started, I mean, I, it wasn't on the sheet, but uh, Thursday night kicked it off. Uh, Colts 34, Titans 17. And the Colts are still a very solid football team. Still very well coached. The GM, Ballard's still very good at what he does. Frank Reich is a very creative play caller. Very solid coach and has a very strong O-line, which no matter who's who who's around, if you have a strong O-line with a creative head coach, you're gonna get you're gonna win some football games. You're gonna be able to compete. And right now they sit atop the AFC South. Um, the O-line still the Titans looked okay early, but it, it shows the strength of how well the Colts are coached. You know, they blocked a punt, the special teams came up, and especially a good special teams is always, always a characteristic of a team with a good coach. Um, Vrabel. Vrabel's still, uh, still very respectable as a head coach, and I'll get into more of like Vrabel, Flores, and then later. Um, the Colts are able to contain Derrick Henry enough. He kind of got banged up at one point, was over the sidelines. Uh, they let him bend bend the Colts, but but didn't didn't break them. He never he never busted into the end zone. He didn't break them. He just couldn't get out and show his explosive self. Now, was that because he was banged up? I'm not sure. Um, I know he did exit to the sideline for a good bit of time. I'm not sure if that's directly correlated to why he didn't get in the end zone. He's still over 100 yards. So to think that you're containing Derrick Henry at this point with 100 yards is actually insane. But just look at his high school stats and you'll, you'll see what this consideration to contain was. Um, Michael Pittman. Michael Pittman looked fantastic. Um, the rookie out of USC. Um, I mean, like that's, I mean, the thing that like, you're, you're just strengthened like the Colts coaching, right? I, the Titans had the early special team success with that huge kick return right off the bat of the game march right down and scored. And then the Colts try to come back, and they get that fourth down stop. So you've already, you've re the momentum was a real huge swing there early for the Titans. And the Colts hung in there and then just dominated in the second half. So you can just see the strength of the coaching that the Colts have with Frank Reich. And they really are a quarterback away. Uh, they really are. Uh, they, I, I really do believe that the Colts have an incredible future ahead of them, especially getting some of the guys that are hurt for this year back. 
If they can get a, a solid, like a Sam Darnold, a Sam Darnold wouldn't be bad, um, I don't think, for them. But there's a couple of other options they'll have at quarterback, especially with that offensive line, to really work a kid in, especially maybe one year behind Phillip Rivers. Um, Steven Gostowski, again, missing a field goal. Having some of the weirdest results. Inside of, inside of 50, he struggles. Outside of 50, he's pretty much automatic. I don't know why that's a thing. I didn't know that was a thing. Um, it's, I, I don't know if it's comparable to like being able to hit your driver off the tee, but then like hundred yards in with your pitching wedge, you can't, you, you just skull it or leave it and just keep leaving it right with your irons. You know, you, maybe you're drawing it off the tee, hitting it really well. And then you're just slicing everything with an iron. I guess that's the most comparable thing in golf. Um, let me see baseball terminology. I don't know if I can, you, I know you can. You're hitting better. He hits better with two strikes. He hits better with two strikes than he does with none. I guess that's the best. It, it very confusing, especially coming off an injury. You figure if the guy's hurt, I, I, the longer ones would be tougher because I know we had the groin thing last year. I, I really don't understand it. Um, but I, I don't know how much longer he has there. But who else are you gonna pull off the market right now? I, it's uh, the fact that he continues to struggle from inside 50 but it's pretty much automatic from outside of 50 yards i'll never I, I won't be able to make sense of it i will never be able to make sense of nfl kickers especially i mean you know what you know what did it because kickers were pretty damn good like you know if you had a good kicker or a bad kicker they would just everybody would hit their extra points and then from there on there were good kickers and there were just bad kickers we just knew this we just knew this like from out but like 30 and in was pretty much automatic for any kicker then they move the extra points back and you start making it missing a couple extra points and they, it absolutely screwed with the psyches of these guys. And wow, ever since they moved the extra point back, these kickers have just been all over the damn place. So the fact that there are still some Matt Praters and Brandon McManuses around, and they're on bad teams, by the way. All the good kickers seem to be on bad teams. Although Harrison Bucker's good. I will give him that. But other than that, like all there's so many decent, like the Chargers run into like Michael Bad, all kinds of kickers. And like these are good teams that could be great teams, but they would just struggle with special teams and kickers. Um, so, ever since they moved that extra point back, it's been an absolute disaster for NFL kickers all around. Um, and speaking of disasters, um, the Cleveland Browns beat the Texans ten to seven, and the Cleveland Browns and Nick Chubb should be arrested for crimes against humanity. That 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 was straight theft for anybody who had the Browns minus four, myself included. Myself included in having the Browns minus four. That was criminal. Criminal. I, I, just, I, I, I'm just running out of bounds. I, I, I've seen some bad beats, man. But I've never been on the side of one like that. Where I just, I actually was on the opposite side of the Todd Gurley one when he slid down. That was great. But, god damn. That one with Nick Chubb just apt. It made no sense. It made no sense. It wouldn't have made a difference. I don't know why you just don't run in the end zone there. I, uh, I, I'm not gonna break down something I still can't understand. But I just wanted to know that the, I just wanted everybody. I just I'm done. That's it. I, I I really like Baker Mayfield, but I can't root. For, I can't root, and I really like what the Browns are doing. But they have turned. I I can't root for the Browns at least for this week. At least for this week, I can't root for the Browns. No way. Not after that. Are you shitting me? Just go in the end zone. It it it. it you know Nick Chubb. I'm not going to feel bad when the Cleveland Browns, when you're a touchdown away from getting your touchdown bonus in your contract, 
and you want that extra couple million in your pocket, and they don't give it to you because you ran out of bounds there. Thanks for helping us win that game at all. We're not paying the extra couple million. And then the Brown, and then he'll walk from the Browns for that reason. So I hope I hope that's the, the effects it has strictly for that one moment. I really do. <laughs> I wish nothing but the worst to the Browns and Nick Chubb this week. Good lord. And I'll, I'll get into my picks. I'll do Saturday. We'll do what, Thursday, Saturday. So we'll really by the time I release this. So yeah, we'll do it. We'll do a Thursday, Saturday release. Um, the Browns didn't make it convincingly. Um, even with that score, I don't think it would have been convincing. But hey, the Browns stay in the hunt. And um what, what the Texans, man, I ooh. Bill O'Brien absolutely ruined them in their future. I feel so bad for Deshaun Watson. I really do. I really do. I Bill O'Brien was I've been saying Bill O'Brien was a buffoon for years. Even the year before last when he lost the tech the fact that he didn't fire him then. I would have even been fired before he came back to the locker room if at, at against Kansas City. At halftime. At halftime I would have. But the year before that I still would have. And I remember going on my podcast from the, the first years. It might have been one of my first shows. And I and I might pull I'm on a different computer now. Maybe for Twitter I'll pull the audio and then piece this together with this one. Might take some time. But saying Bill O'Brien should be in the hot seat. And people looked at me like I was crazy. Like what? Dude, you have the court. You have your quarterback now. Go, go, go to a Super Bowl. Go win a playoff game. Go win playoff games. Go make a run. And still, here we are. The, 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 they're going to be given a top five pickup to Miami. Yeah, the, the Browns. The Browns. And I'm not the Browns. The Texans are in trouble. The Texans are in trouble. Um, Stefanski still having a very good year though for the Browns. I think. And I think people are very quick to rush right now with Baker Mayfield. Oh, he's not doing doing enough. This is his third could third head coach in his many years. That is not easy to deal with, at all. You know, um, he shows a lot of he still shows a lot of promise. Has a lot of that spark. The consistency I think will come within time within this system. I absolutely do. Um, and he's not doing enough to hurt you. He's not. He might not be absolutely outrightly winning you games. But he's certainly not losing it for you. I mean, he had, the, he had a game where he struggled with some interceptions and such. But I, I really do think that Baker can be. A, he's not gonna be. He's not an MVP candidate quarterback. He's not. He's not. He's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not. Not as much as I had said. I think back on capable fantasy football, I had mentioned that I thought that he could have that type of breakout sophomore year. He did not. Um, he hasn't been having much of an incredible year this year. But at the same time, he can manage a game. He can make plays when the, he can. He, he can make some big plays on the stretch. And he's mobile enough to be able to succeed in today's NFL. And that's only, and he's, I think he's only going to get better from here, especially with a guy like Stefanski who's actually bringing some success to the Browns. And, of course, it'll be the year where the Browns actually win, like, 10 games. They go, like, 10-6. and six. They still can't make the playoffs because both the Ravens and the Steelers and the entire AFC is just because the Miami. It'd, just, it'd be the luck of the Browns to not be able to make the playoffs after having, like, a, 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 a above 500 record. But I still think it, it did have some patience with Baker. I, I don't think he's on a hot seat at that at that position by any means. I think he's still putting up decent enough numbers, and he's still adjusting. So now his third off, like, well, I mean, Kitchens was there, but he was the running backs coach. I don't know. It's like it's like his second and a half, second and a half, like two and a half. Where does he say his third offense? It really is his third offense he's had to adjust to in three years. Not easy to do. Not easy to do at all. This isn't just college. You go and sling it. 
of Oklahoma. Like, it's this is the NFL. It's tough to do. Um, and when Nick Chubb's healthy and they have a running game, they are a totally different team. So I, I say I have patience with Baker Mayfield. Houston's in some goddamn trouble for the next couple of years. One of the most poor, and Houston in general, the city, because they're going to lose James Harden and Russell Westbrook. And we'll get into that later in the podcast as well. Just in general, Houston's in, <laughs> Houston's in some trouble. Um, so then the next game we have in the docket is the biggest backdoor cover of all time. Not all time. I mean, this has been some of the Patriots actually came back for what a push in the Super Bowl when they came back from uh, down 23. Um, but, but the Lions 30, the Redskins 27. Alex Smith comes back from one of the most severe leg injuries we've ever seen. Starts his first game in like two years, 700 something days. No. Yeah, yeah, like two years. Uh, and he's, and he comes up with 55 pass attempts and 390 yards. Hey, to lead them to a cover. What a huge backdoor cover. Uh, DeAndre Swift looked good for, uh, Detroit looked great for Detroit. Uh, Matt Patricia coaching for his job and for now we'll hold on to it. Um, and then you look at Washington, whose record I don't think represents Ron Rivera's success. And the Ron Rivera's a guy to beat cancer this year in his first year with a new team. That's not in the middle of a, beat cancer in the middle of a pandemic with a brand new football team after taking a year off from coaching. That's that's not that's not an easy task. Not not an easy not to mention when your rookie quarterback Haskins has not panned out, doesn't pan out. He's never going to pan out. You got to bring then your backup gets crushed, suffers a crazy bad leg injury. You got to bring that kind of guy that hasn't played quarterback in 2 years to try and come back in this one. And still in that NFC East, I mean Jesus Christ, is anybody's league. That that they, that conference should be disbanded. Again, that's something I'll touch upon later. Um, they erase a 24-3 de- deficit and with a huge, huge backdoor cover. Now, I guess I'll touch upon it now. Matt Patricia coaching for his job. We do have to reference the fact that Joe Judge, Brian Flores, and Mike Vrabel... Now, don't get me wrong. The Belichick coaching tree has not been crazy successful in its career. Like I said, guys like Bill O'Brien, now Matt Patricia, have struggled since leaving. Josh McDaniel struggled. But all of a sudden, this Belichick coaching tree has changed. Joe Judge, Brian Flores, Mike Rabel have all shown a lot of flashes, a lot of great success. Not just where the numbers don't really speak for it. The culture, the culture hasn't changed in Detroit. It's the same as it ever was. The culture has changed in Miami. The culture has changed in Tennessee. The culture has changed in New York. It's easier to say for the other two than New York. But I still do like. I mean, they're dealing without Saquon. They're still gonna. I still think have the most potential to win that. Win the NFC East. Now Sterling Shepard coming back has helped them out a lot. And I just think that all those teams, the, the Dolphins, very good, uh, commit very few penalties. The same with the, the, the Giants. These guys, uh, aside from Joe Judge getting into a physical altercation with one of his coaches that he had to let go, but that's besides the point. Uh, I just I think the culture has been shocked at those places, and it speaks it, it all of a sudden speaks very well for the Belichick coaching tree, which wasn't that good. And then you look at an Andy Reid one, which was looking fantastic as of recently, and still looks okay, you know. But Matt Nagy struggling, Andy Reid coaching tree. Um, Doug Peterson, holy hell, is he struggling? It totally out coached. I don't think he's that bad of a head coach as he's shown recently, but I mean, still got pretty out. He got out coached by Joe Judge. Uh, he got out done there by the Giants. All of a sudden, that Andy Reid coaching that was looking so good with Super Bowls and such, all of a sudden, it's starting to flip. The more longevity coming out of these other guys. But again, there's nobody else. The Ravens still doesn't have anything to show for it other than a couple of playoff appearances. So I'm not going to dig too deep into it. But starting to flip the script there on my beliefs of like what the Belichick coaching looks like because the success of it historically has not been that great. 
So the next game we're going to get into is Tom Brady's Buccaneers crushing the Panthers in Carolina 46-23. Ronald Jones and the Tampa Bay running game break out after an abominable performance against the Saints. Just what, five rushing attempts in total. It was day was disgusting. It was not it was it was not good. Not good at all. And the run what what that run the run game looks better because they were using more tight end sets. More tight end sets was huge. Um and the run game gives relief to Brady, man, and the outside threats. It opens up a lot of play action. It opens up just you if you have you have to put more men in the box to defend the run, which opens up the passing game. It's a very simple concept to understand. You can't just sling it all around. I mean, not even Pat Mahomes can do it. They still have to have a competent running game to be able to help Mahomes. I mean, Mahomes is a different animal, but especially a guy like Tom Brady, you gotta help him out. They didn't help the whole reason Jameis Winston threw 30 interceptions. One of the reasons, not the whole reason. Majority of the reason I believe Jameis Winston threw as many interceptions he did with the Buccaneers is because they didn't run the ball well enough. Never did they run the ball well enough, and he had to air it out and force a lot of passes. And he's a very racy quarterback. He threw a lot of picks. Right through a lot of touchdowns too. But having a competent running game takes off a lot of pressure from your quarterback, and I think that's why they got back to it. Went back with some more power run sets with tight ends, and really had a little more faith in it. And it shows in the scoreboard. It shows in the scoreboard and the consistency there. The defense really stepping it up. In the second half, um, so you know the Bucks defense is very underrated, but their offense, when they find that consistency there, I don't care who's getting touches all around. I just want that consistency with the run game. That's that's a great that's a great win for the Buccaneers, um, and that's what they need to focus on is be able to maintain that running game. Uh, and then as for the Panthers, the positive it looks like a positive future with Matt Rule, but the offense just looks so different without CMC, and he needs some help. He, they need to draft someone else who can do similar stuff. Nobody can do what he does. Or not like maybe Clyde Edwards Hilaire. There's very few people who can do exactly what, or Alvin Kamara can do exactly what Christian McCaffrey does, but he needs somebody else that can do because they play in a similar role to him, not just like have a power back or anything. They need to find him some help because he cannot be getting 30, 40 touches a game and being relied on so much as he, like, as much as they rely on him. They, they can't be, it can't stay consistent. It, it cannot stay consistent. So Matt Rule is going to have to figure out how he can help out CMC because he continues to get hurt. He continues to get banged up. And their offense looks so different without him. So you either have to change the offense so you can't rely on him as much so he doesn't get hurt as much or just being able to have a replacement for him in case he does get hurt or being able to have a guy who can just take some reps away from him so you get better dual, dual, dual power production out of your backfield. I think that's the big thing. Um, but the Buccaneers still sit, in the, uh, still sit in the wild card spot looking into the playoffs. Um, and I don't think they'll have success. But, the, but this breach injury... Could change it if they if they come out of the division and have a home field advantage. That's different. But if you get on the wild card and they get on the road every game, I don't have faith in the Bucks' ability to win those many games. Go into the on the road, on the road, on the road, and go all the way through the playoffs. I don't I don't have the faith that they'll be able to do that. If they can clinch that if they can clinch that first round by though and slide in there from the south, it's a, it's doable. It's doable. But uh, I I don't know. I don't know. I don't have a lot of I don't have a lot of faith in it right now. I still think. The Saints are going to be locked in there as the one or the two seed because I don't I don't think Jameis is going to be that bad. But again, I'll touch on that as we as we move on. But we're going to have and in general we're going to have to see. Um, but next up we got the Giants and the Eagles, the Philadelphia Eagles, which lost by a score twenty seven seventeen, and they're still in first place. The NFC East, like I said before, should just be disbanded or relegated to the XFL. They can go play in the XFL for a year. Bring a couple XFL teams cuz I don't know if we'll be or bring up bring up Alabama. Bring up LSU. Whoever, all right, whoever makes the top 4, whoever makes the top 4 in the NCAA, whoever goes to the BCS playoffs this year gets to come play in the NFC East for a year. 
and we'll send the Giants and those teams down to play for them. I, this this division's terrible. It's awful. And if Dak Prescott hadn't gotten hurt, I'm sure that the, the Cowboys would be up there, and they might even be in first right now. But Dak Prescott got hurt, and Saquon Barkley gets hurt. Carson Wentz, I don't know how he's not dead. He continues to get crushed. And then the Redskins, who were just not badly coached, but Jesus Christ, they have multiple, like they have either Dwayne Haskins, Alex Smith, or Kyle Allen to play quarterback for him. I, I mean, yeah, that division's terrible. It's awful. And I think the Giants have the most momentum in it right now after that win. Uh, Sterling Shepard being back, helping that offense. But it speaks to the coaching a little bit. That we've without, without Saquon, they're still able to put up some decent results, which I don't know if you consider decent because they're like 3-7. and seven. Um, But it mostly speaks to the NFC just being brutally awful. The NFC East being brutally, br- brutally, brutally, brutally awful. Um, I can't get a read on Daniel Jones yet. He's a better athlete than I thought he was. I didn't like the pick at 6. I didn't really hate it, but I mean... I didn't think anybody was going to snipe him that early, so I don't know why the like, you know I was in the Giants going to trade it down. So the, for the value of it, I don't like it. I don't hate the, I don't hate picking Jones. I just don't know if I like the value of it. He's a better athlete than I thought he was, but he, he, he what what is it going to take for him to take the next step? It's the accuracy. Is it the accuracy? He can drop some dimes, but it's the consistency. It's the consistency of the decision making, more or less. I know he can make some good throws. But his decision-making factors in a lot, and he miss risk a lot of tight throws. That's why a lot of times he tries to get, he try to do too much, and it's why he turns over the ball as much as he does. If he can get better consistency in his decision-making, at least, and trust his athleticism a little bit more, instead of his arm to really move around to open up some things, they'd be fine. But it's a lot to ask of a guy who's now working on into, I believe, a second offensive coordinator. Yeah, you're into a second offense already too, on a team that really doesn't have that good of an offensive line. So. But I still think the Giants have the most momentum of anybody in the NFC East. It's, like I said, should be disbanded. It is an absolute disaster, absolute dumpster fire in the NFC East. Carson Wentz is getting crushed. Doug Peterson's probably sitting on a hot seat. Um, I just, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know why. I mean, the Eagles didn't have to win that game, so of course they're going to play down. I don't know if he's really playing down because everybody's hurt. I mean, the Eagles are banged up. It's, again... Part for the course for the Eagles as well. Carson Wentz is getting killed in the pocket. So, I mean, it's not... It, and especially during a COVID season, really not that shocking. But the, the same old Eagles. The Eagles are really... Ever since that football, ever since that Super Bowl year, just have not ever looked the same and just don't have that same energy. And it's just that... Well, they have had the same energy. The inconsistency. That... The energy they've been showing since they haven't had the same energy since the Super Bowl. But... Uh, well, they've had the same energy since the Super Bowl, but they haven't been able to match that energy in the Super Bowl. There, that's what I wanted to say. They're on a different level of energy that has been the same. They haven't been able to match what took them to a Super Bowl. That's the difference. I still like Wentz a lot. They have a lot of guys banged up. A lot of inconsistent play from the offensive line. Receivers get banged up very often. And the only consistent threat that he has normally is Zach Ertz. And once you take away him, who doesn't like a lot of contact, who do you really go to? Who knows? Boston Scott? You know, so... I, I think the Giants, I don't, there's no one that's going to run away with that division. And I think the numbers show that no one will have even the opportunity to be over 500 until December. It, <laughs> until December, they're all going to be below 500. But this whole month of November, they're going to be below 500 until sometime in December. And I'd, and I'd be even pressed to say if they do it in December. Because the Giants already have seven losses. 16-10 might get you in the NFC East. It might do it. I can't even talk about it anymore. The pa- and then I gotta go to another ugly game that I have on my list here is the Packers and the Jags. 
which was just another ugly game all around. I, The Packers can't put together a defining performance. Well, well, I mean, they have. Every performance they put on is defining of them. If they're not, they, they have, they don't, they're not, they're not, they're not, uh, what am I going to say? They're not that stud team. They're not that top team. They're not a top tier team. They're really not. They're up there. They can win some of these games, but they, Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers continue, continue to be this, this saving grace, but that's all they have. That's the only thing they have. They, if you took away Devontae, they don't have much else. I mean, he throws touchdowns a couple guys other than that, but if it isn't Aaron Rodgers to Devontae, which they had to go too late again, um, they just can't put together a defining dominant performance. They, re- I really don't think they can. They haven't shown uh, what what they are yet. I haven't seen enough flash from Aaron Rodgers other than to Devontae Adams. Their defense is inconsistent. Um, they they play down to the competition. Every time they play a team worse than they play down, uh, and that's been consistent under Matt Lafleur is that they play down to their competition. But they're getting. They were going toe-to-toe with Jake Luton, and it took until a late drive from Aaron Rodgers for them to even, to win this ballgame. And Jake Luton still had a chance to win it for the Jags late in the game. So they continue to play down to their competition. They've won, I think, that one big game against the Saints. But really, other than that, I, I haven't been that impressed with the Packers. And I think a lot of people haven't been impressed with the Packers. You know, They've been very, very inconsistent. Like I said, they lack that defining performance to say, this is what they can be at their peak. We don't even know. We're not, they're, not even, they're not even there. We, we, their peak's a lot lower because... Uh, this, they haven't had a game where they've been firing on on all cylinders enough to be able to to, to, to warrant that defining performance. And, and like I said, it's been consistent under Matt Lafleur. It's consistent with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. And they need to find they need to be able to find other weapons besides Devontae Adams. Because when they come into run into a good team in the playoffs, it's going to be over under Devontae. Who else can beat us? And I don't think have anybody else that can. I don't mind Valdez Scantling, but any decent defense like the Rams per se, like the the, the Rams defense. They're going to have a field day with Aaron Rodgers. I, I think, and even with the way the Saints defense is playing now as opposed to when they played them, and how the receivers banged up, a lot of these teams, are very, even the Buccaneers, are, are in very good condition to knock off a team like the Packers if, they, if they're not playing at a top level. And, and I haven't really seen them hit that peak yet because most of that peak performance comes between you know garbage teams and Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers. And then... Speaking of, well, Aaron Rodgers, King of Hail Marys. Then we got the Hail Murray, the Cardinals, and the Bills, which is another game that killed me on my sheet that lost me. Um, yeah, Browns minus four. This Hail Mary when I had the Bills plus four to the half. Uh, it, it, great play, don't get me wrong. Great play. Love Kyler Murray. Love Josh Allen, too. You, count, you can't count out either of them because they're both mobile and they both have incredible arm strength and the ability to make those plays. Both are electric. Um, that play from Murray is insane, and it's unfortunately going to hide a performance or a, a gutsy late drive, at least a late throw from Josh Allen that should have won the Bills that game. But the, we should be talking about Josh Allen right now, not Kyler Murray. It, it, it's But it's the Bills' defense that allowed that to happen, and we are talking about Kyler Murray. We are talking about DeAndre Hopkins. And the Cardinals sit at first in the NFC West right now. So it was an incredible play. It was an incredible game. I Stephon Diggs continues to pay off for the Bills. Um, McDerm- Sean McDermott has really settled in to be a great head coach for the Buffalo Bills. A lot better than I think people originally predicted. They gave him the time. They gave him the space. And, and, and now he has a very, very good core of players in there to possibly win the AFC East this year. Um, the tiebreaker game to be coming up with Miami. So we'll see. But 
still, it's been a very, very good build for the Bills, and they finally have a quarterback that they can trust, and that quarterback was making a big play, made a big play, and the defense went to play hero ball, and just three guys tried to make an interception, so just batting the ball away, and you see what happened. Um, the Cardinal, and then the Cardinals, you can sp say the same thing for them. They took a risk on Cliff, Sping Cliff Kingsbury. They took a risk on ditching Josh Rosen, who was their first-round pick, their quarterback, Tebby. And it, they took a big risk. And in this league, it takes a risk. You need to be the, the 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 Colts need to be able to take a risk on a quarterback or trade up or give up some capital. Some of these teams have to take a risk and give up some capital to avoid mediocrity. <coughs> we'll reference a different sport, the Celtics. Um, but they, they ditched Josh Rosen. Uh, they fired their head coach after a year. They bring in Cliff Kingsbury, who never even really had a positive record. Never really wasn't anything too credible in the NCAA, but was able to coach Mahomes in that, in that flying offense. And all of a sudden, you look at the Cardinals having great success under Kingsbury, uh, and it's all because of how good their offense is under Kyler Murray. I, I, I think it, you have to you have to give them credit for taking that risk. They were very proactive in what they did to take care of that, knowing that they, would, um, they were struggling with Rosen, they were struggling with the coach they had at the time, and, and I'm drawing a blank on his name. Why am I drawing a blank on his name? It's not Vance Joseph. It's uh, Steve Wilkes. Steve Wilkes. Steve Wilkes. Uh, they, they they took a chance on they took a chance on him, and um, it's been paying off for them incredibly well. Um, and we can talk about two other now two other now impressive quarterbacks too. Allen and Murray are impressive quarterbacks. Impressive coaching staff. That's why both those teams are um, set atop both their their respective divisions. Then we can talk about the Dolphins up there too. Here with the Chargers. Um, Herbert wasn't very wowing, but like I said, Flores has changed the culture of Miami. Um, Tua didn't play, like, incredibly well either, but he, his team won the game and he managed the game, and they've, they've had, um, Flores, like I said, Flores has changed the culture of Miami, Tua's added a lot of energy, they had a plan for Tua all along, they took the steps the right way, he built up a culture the way he needed to, they're very, they're not penalized much, they're a good defensive team. Belichick habits. They're you know, huge special. They have good on special teams. Good defense. Commit very few penalties. All aspects of what coming from that Belichick culture's light had a very specific plan for Tua and have used it and have been three and zero since. Um, I know when after that bot snapped, I saw Tua tackle one of the Chargers players. Damn near had a heart attack. I thought that for a guy that's really been busted up in his college career, I'm like, this guy's trying to make a full on tackle. Please don't get hurt. Um, this is a football fan. You don't want to see that, especially if as good as two has been playing. Like I said Herbert wasn't bad, but he also wasn't game changing. I would have liked to have seen like more of a shootout there, but uh, Tua and the Dolphins coming out on top as they should. The Chargers really not that great of a football team. Uh, Anthony Lynn again, he's probably coaching for his job as well. Justin Herbert's haircut looks terrible. Um, I, I I don't know why he got his haircut the way he did. He looks. Looks like he's still in high school, to be fair. Um, the hair was way better. The hair was way longer. hair was way better for Justin Herbert. Um, so hopefully that doesn't affect his game too much because he was playing very good football. Struggled there with a very good defense, though, in the Miami Dolphins, one of the best in the NFL this year in terms of scoring. Um, like I said, he wasn't bad, but he wasn't game-changing. Tua wasn't really game-changing either, but made the right play at the right time, and he's very consistent when he's in the red zone, so you can't ask too much more than what Tua's been doing for this Miami team. Which, you know, has a good shout, has a good chance to make it into the playoffs, to push for the playoffs. So that's going to be interesting to see. Um, we can talk about, another, talk about another team now um, that is trying to wiggle their way into the playoffs. In the, in the Las Vegas Raiders um, beating the Broncos 37-12. to Now the Raiders have Kansas City coming up this week. Um, 
And I believe they have 10 defensive starters in the COVID reserve list, which if they continue to test negative, they'll be able to play with no practice. They won't have any ways to prepare for Mahomes other than looking at a computer screen or I guess working out on their own. I don't know what exactly what the rules and regs are for the NFL, but nothing like not being able to practice for your team the entire week coming up to play Pat Mahomes in one of the biggest games of the season so far for you guys in a huge rivalry game and a huge game where it might give you the chance to win that division or especially sneak into the playoffs. Um, it was beginning to end dom against the Broncos at least. It was beginning to end dominance by the Raiders. Um, oh, and I mentioned Mahomes and the Chiefs were going to be in a bye week too to play him. Yeah, yeah, you have to you have to do all that with with the Chiefs being even more prepared on the bye week. I forgot to mention that. That's not good. Um, but again, I'll touch I'll touch on that on my NFL prediction show when we do the next podcast. Um, beginning to end dominance by the Raiders. Uh, they just for me though they missed that it factor. They don't have that 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 killer it. That, that instinct, I don't think Derek Carr is a very good game manager, but he doesn't have, I don't know, if he doesn't have that it factor for me. Uh, Josh Jacobs pretty damn good, but it's hard to get an it factor out of a running back. They have a young defense. Max Crosby's very good. Um, Trent Brown's been good for them in, uh, on the offensive line. Uh, well, I mean, I, I, over time, at least. I know he's been banged up. But uh, Jonathan Abram. Aside from running into like a TV camera on the sidelines, he's shown a lot of promise from the secondary. Um, I know Ruggs is there. So there's there's some weapons there. Josh Jacobs is very, very good. And Carr continues to manage the game. And Gruden continues to just let Josh Jacobs run. They'll even Devontae, uh, Devontae Booker as well to the former Bronco. Uh, but, you know, continues to just let Josh Jacobs rumble. And he's in, you know very committed to giving the ball to Josh Jacobs in the goal line, unlike a lot of other teams that try to really mess around on the goal line for absolutely no reason. Um, Gruden trusts in Jacobs, and he just let him, and he just continues to let him run with it. And it's paying off for the Broncos. Uh, the other side of the ball, though, Drew Locke. Uh, sideline, I should say. Still not a huge Drew Locke guy. Never was. Still am not a Drew Locke guy. Never was, even through some of the success he had, four picks for him. He's very streaky. Um, I don't think Fangio is set to be the head coach there much longer. Never liked the hiring of Fangio, especially if you're going to draft the quarterback like Drew Luck, because Fangio is a defensive head coach, and they just don't have a good defense. So I don't, I mean, I know Von Miller got hurt, but there's a lot of other good defensive head coaches around the NFL that have been able to make do with a lot of their guys dropping because of COVID and such. So I don't want to hear the excuses. Uh, I, I don't think he's going to be there much longer. Uh, the next game we can touch on is the Rams in the Seahawks, 23-16. The Rams took it. Um, I think Wilson's MVP candidacy takes a hit for sure. Even as well as he's played early on, as well as he can. The Seahawks statistically like have like, the, had their case for a while. I don't know what it sits at now. One of, the, if the wor- one of the worst, if not the worst, defense of all time in terms of metrics. Um, and Wilson's still leading them through that. You can't. There's no way you can consistently beat that out as a quarterback. I don't care how well you're playing. Every quarterback, if you have the worst defense, you might be able to beat it for a little bit, but you're not going to be able to sustain success over a 16-game season, and the Seahawks are showing that as they continue to fall off little by little. They'll have Arizona Thursday night. Like I said, I'll be able to talk about that. Uh, the Rams, are it's not the Rams that went to the Super Bowl, but their defense has been stellar, and they're the best defensive teams in the NFC West. They're not as pretty and flashy as they were. No Todd Gurley. You know, Cooks isn't at wide receiver anymore. They have Cup. They have Robert Woods, Goff, able to manage the game. Okay, I still have questions about Goff's pre-snap readability and progressional readability. I don't think he goes through progressions well. If that first read isn't there, 
he's, he's it, first or second read isn't there. He has trouble breaking down and going through progressions. I also see that I also it also seems to me that we've known in the past his pre-snap readability is not good either. So a lot of motion, a lot of amoeba defense can really confuse Jared Goff when you have to force him to go through progressions, and he has had struggles with that. Um, like I said, the Seattle doesn't have enough defense to win on their off days. Seattle has to put in a full shift. The defense has to play at least decent, and their offense has to be stellar. It has to be perfect. Their offense has to be perfect, and their offense was not perfect, like I mentioned. And their defense is not good enough to be able to help even carry a little bit of weight when their offense is off, which... Does not bode well, no matter who you have a quarterback. Even though even the latest Russell Wilson, he can only do so much at a, at a time. Uh, like I said, the Rams, not pretty, but have a really good defense. Um, Goff, I'm still not sold on, but this is free snap reads and his progressions. But I do like Sean McVay a lot. Um, Seattle, Arizona tonight, like, which I will get into when I'm done with the whole covering of all these games. As we move on to the Steelers beating the Bengals 36-10. Nothing spectacular from Joe Burrow in that one. Uh, but T. Higgins continues to look good. Burrow looked okay. And I like the future of Burrow in the offense, especially T. Higgins with uh, Zach Taylor at the helm. Zach Taylor has been pretty impressive uh, thus far in week. At least with the um, growth of Joe Burrow quickly coming in there. So I do like that and what that's looked like. He's not going to have an, inc he's not gonna have an incredibly, uh, incredible amount of time, but... In the first year, I do like what he's been able to do, especially considering the circumstances and all the rookie records that Burrow is looking to break. Uh, Juju, Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool for the, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Nobody, nobody develops wideouts like the Steelers. Juju Smith-Schuster, Antonio Brown drafted late. Juju wasn't a big top stud receiver. He went to USC. Uh, Pittman, uh, not Pittman, was it, uh, Claypool going to Notre Dame, going to Notre Dame. You know, there's a lot of these guys not coming from, like, stellar wideout schools or anything, stellar crazy athletes that have really been, you know, put in good places uh, by the Steelers, really used well. Uh, the Steelers finally put together a convincing win. I'm still not sold in the Steelers yet, but they are 9-0. Uh, they still are a top-three team in the NFL right now. I'm just not sure how sold I am on them to continue the success they had because that's really the first convincing win that they've had. I need to put, I need them to see them put in a good shift over a good team. They did the Browns, but I, I'm still not sold in the Browns yet either, you know, so. But at what point is enough enough for me to say, this, this is still the only undefeated team, at what, what, is, what is going to take it over the top? What is going to take them over the top for me to believe that they are that team? And um, it's going to be, I, I think the next time they play the Ravens is going to be when that is really confirmed for me, that bloodbath that is set to ensue. I think Mike Tomlin needs more credit than he's been given, uh, or that he's had, he has got. I've been I was very critical of Mike Tomlin in the past um, for understanding that he's a player's coach and he's supposed to be able to handle these personalities and players like playing for him. Players want to be in Pittsburgh. They listen to him. They can have fun. And then Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell's getting suspended for drugs. Le'Veon Bell wants to leave. He's holding out. Antonio Brown literally went off on one of the craziest tirades we've ever seen. I think as profession as a professional athlete, just some of the craziest stuff around for Antonio Brown, and then you notice that they're they're actually way crazier than they put off even there. So the fact that he was able to get what he could get out of them for that period of time is speaks way more to the volume of Mike Tomlin. Like it speaks volumes to Mike Tomlin as a head coach than it does as a negative. And I'd like to apologize on that. I was wrong about that. I it's you have to see the full situation sometimes. And he had two he had two psychotic people playing for him. There's no other way around it. And he was able to get a ton of production out of him. Like, all pro production out of him. 
Um, and he's still continuing to get a lot of good production out of these players now. And they sit at 9-0 with a healthy Big Ben man. Well, healthy as Big Ben can be, you know he's going to be banged up no matter what. But uh, considerable, like we're considered to be a healthy Big Ben. It's um, it's, it's looking good for the Steelers. It's looking good for the Steelers, and I think Tomlin deserves a lot of the credit for that, being able to keep that team together, and the Rooney family, Rooney family for continuing to keep faith in Mike Tomlin. Uh, so the next game we get into is my Saints in the 49ers. Uh, Breeze came in with some busted up ribs. I believe he already had one, bro one or two broken, uh, or they were bruised. And then uh, he took a pretty good shot, and now he has like five broken ribs and a uh, collapsed lung, which started as a puncture lung, and then a collapsed lung because he was playing through the broken ribs. Uh, Intends to, to obviously come back. They're saying at least two weeks. It's probably going to be four to five. Uh, I guess it all depends on what Jameis Winston looks like and what we can do there, uh, which I, I'm not too worried about yet. Um, I think it's a real blessing in disguise. You give a couple weeks of rest to Drew Brees. And then he can he comes back, plays a couple games, gets in gets in his groove, and we go on to the playoffs for the rest of Drew Brees, which is huge for a guy of his age, uh, who seems who seems this year to have been playing hurt for a little bit. People are like, oh well, worried about his arm strength, all this. Well, like he's been playing with he's been playing with this injury for a while, or at least that's what the reports say. So the fact that he's still been able to put up the numbers that he has and do what he has, especially while losing a lot of weapons, speaks I think speaks volumes to still the level that Drew Brees is playing at. Um, Jameis looks a lot better physically to me. He looks thinner. He looks leaner. He has a run game he can rely on here, and also a very reliable dump-off option in Alvin Kamara. Michael Thomas, the best route runner in the league, that's going to help being able to throw to the best route runner in the league and having Sean Payton as your uh, as your head coach and play caller. So all that and positives that I think are going to help Jameis be able to keep them afloat. I don't see them absolutely like falling off with Jameis at the helm. I still see them have, being able to have enough success to get by, especially with the way that the Saints defense played. Kamara comes up with three touchdowns, and I think if he continues to play at the level that he is, could enter that MVP conversation, especially if down the stretch he carries them like he has been with Jameis at the helm. I think you could see Alvin Kamara enter that MVP race. Uh, but slow. the Saints started slow, but like I said, the defense really picked it up, picked up the slack, and they dominated. And just, at, I just, I, the, if the defense, the defense has come along, they, they, they smacked the Buccaneers. The defense has been coming along over the years. If the defense can maintain that consistency, it's really going to help out Jameis. I think really, really help out Jameis. And They'll be able to keep the ship afloat un until until we get around to a time where the playoff time's coming. Drew Brees can come back and, and start slinging it. Unless Jameis starts to storm five touchdowns a game. I don't expect that to happen, but it could happen. Um, it's only against a battered... It's, it's a battered and beaten 49ers team we beat. Um, I'm not over the top with it. We did dominate the second half. Uh, we started slow. The team started slow. We're coming off a big emotional win over the Buccaneers. So... To come off an emotional win and still being able to put in that shift in the second half and be able to know that you started slow, but bear down in the second half and dominate, I think speaks volumes to this team and especially the coaching and how Sean Payton can get his players behind him. Uh, to reference the 49ers, there's been questions about whether Jimmy G is still the quarterback for them. Uh, he's still the answer at quarterback. I, I think he's still the answer. I think he's still the answer. The problem is he's not healthy. He doesn't stay healthy enough. I don't think it's his ability that they're knocking. I think it's his ability to stay healthy that they're knocking more or less. I still think he is, but they can cut him. They can cut him right now with absolutely no guaranteed salary next year or trade him. So we'll see how that goes. I still think once you get everybody healthy, especially after the way the field position, the, the field was all busted up in that first week and COVID and everything, I still think they give him one more year in, in um, San Francisco and they can still be a very, very good football team with Jimmy G at the helm. But only time will tell with that. 
And then we can talk about the Sunday night game, the Patriots and the Ravens. The Pats came in with a very defined, very specific game plan in the run game. Um, didn't allow the second-level players to line up the backfield players. They didn't. They they were able to wash down a, a double team and wash a lot of the second secondary players, a lot of the second-level players, linebackers and such, a lot of those athletic players like Matthew Judon that the Ravens have, and they weren't allowed them to just get one-on-one with their players in, in, in the backfield. You know, it was getting around the edge. They had to force game tackles five or six yards down the field or more. Um, so, and then Belichick's always proactive in defending a player like Lamar. Um, and while Lamar still played okay, still, um, um, you know, it wasn't it wasn't an all-time Lamar performance. So, he's still still an incredible athlete, still doing a lot of good things. But a lot of these teams are beginning to, um, he has to adjust to teams breaking him down with Phil now. There's a lot of film out Lamar, and he's even acknowledged that a lot of teams know what's coming before he even gets to the line to go through the play. Um, and, and Harbaugh and Lamar are going to have to adjust to that. So he's still an incredible athlete. He's still going to be able to adjust to that just naturally as an athlete, but it's going to be his pre-snap reads and such that, and through time being able to adjust to people knowing what's coming as the big thing that helps him take the step from where he is. Um, I don't think this mean. I don't think this win for the Pats means they are back in contention. I think it shows positives for the future, especially with a lot of cap room next year. They're going to have like the fourth or third most cap room in the league next year. Um, I think it shows positives that Cam is beginning to become more comfortable, comfortable in the system. Um, they're able to still come out with a defined game plan, a very specific and defined game plan to a player such as Damian Harris, and run the ball well, which I think bodes well for Cam Newton and company. Uh, Jacoby Myers looks okay. Nikhil Harry's a bust, but there's still a lot of positives to be looked into. I don't think they make the playoffs this year. They'll probably finish middle of the pack, eight and eight, seven nine, nine and seven. Um, I don't think they're going to sneak in at any, by any means, but I think it bodes well for the future for them. I mean, because I think it bodes well for the Pats, too, because they still have a very athletic defense, and they still have a lot of veterans to lead that defense. Um, the Ravens are going to need to go on a serious run, though, here at some point, uh, because they're on the outside looking in right now because of the play of a lot of these teams in the wild card. And with the Steelers being 9-0, they're going to need to show up at some point. That's why I think it's going to be such a big game when they show up to play against Pittsburgh, because... That's the game where I think defines whether the Steelers can really be this team or can they not. I think that's what really truthfully is going to define it. The Ravens are going to need that game. Both teams are going to need that game. One to solidify their dominance. The other one to to, to just try to try and make it in. To try and get into dance. So that's going to be the big thing. Um, the Ravens need to at this point need to just go on a run. They need they need to start tearing into some teams, and I, I they haven't shown really signs of doing it. And I think. I, I think they could be in some trouble. I mean, they are six and three though. So I mean, like that's there's still a lot of there's still a lot of seasons left. But the Ravens have been very very streaky. Uh, I have more confidence in the Dolphins. I have more confidence. Uh, I'm much more confident in the Dolphins. More confidence in the Titans than I do in the Ravens right now. But we're just gonna have we're just gonna have to see. We're just gonna have to see. Um, and then we can now we can touch on the Monday night game. Is the Vikings and the Bears? Um, I, I, and I just just. I, this isn't this isn't Philadelphia Nick Foles, and I swear to God, I picked. Here's another team. I picked the Bears to cover, and I, and it's every time that I pick Nick Foles, he's terrible. He blows. It's awful. He's just not a good quarterback in general, mind you. I don't think he's a good quarterback in general. But then, especially when I pick him, he decides to suck. Decides to be brutally awful. And then when I pick against him, 
he shows up as prime Joe Montana. It happened to anybody else. You pick Nick Foles. He's, he, he, he's like Nick Foles. You pick against him, and all of a sudden he just shows up and plays like prime Joe Montana. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, the Vikings are a very, very different team when Dalvin Cook can stay healthy. Uh, you know, he's healthy this year early, and they struggled early. But, you know, there's some diff different things in play, obviously. But when we've seen a lot of great success in Dalvin Cook in his years with Minnesota. But it's all a matter of him being able to maintain that and stay healthy, uh, which he's not been able to do. But he is this year. Um, I still have my Kirk Cousins doubts. And with him at quarterback, they'll still be able to stay in the hunt. I mean, the I think four and five now is the record, and they're trying to continue onto a four-game winning streak next week. Um, they have great momentum, only a game below 500. But again, that NFC, that NFC in the wild card is going to be crowded too, especially with that NFC West. Um, it's unfortunate that the NFC East is such a disaster, and that a team like the Vikings isn't going to be able to slip in because of that, because they're a much better football team than any team in the East is. But rules are rules, and you got to follow them. Um, like I said, it's going to be tough to break in that NFC picture. It's going to be tough for the Bears, too. And I believe the Bears are pretty much handcuffed into mediocrity. And that Just picking Trubisky over Mahomes um, and Deshaun Watson is pretty much where the whole conversation of mediocrity begins and ends. Um, I don't know what the avenues are outside of that. Maybe a Sam Darnold, maybe somebody else. I, I don't know what the other avenues are to explore. Uh, Cam Newton walks a free agent. Um, I'm not sure what the... Like, what 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 takes them over the top? But they are very they just in my they're just a very mediocre football team, and they, that that was had that fluky one year run, and then the Cody Parkey kick, which really just they have not recovered from. Uh, the, the Saints have been able to recover from some disaster in the playoffs. The Bears just haven't. The Bears I think are still stuck on that emotionally, and it, it might be a while before we see them actually return to any type of like standard success. But the NFL still remains highly contested going into Week 11. Like I said, I'll be giving my picks out. I don't think I'll do it Friday. I think I'll do it Saturday. I think Saturday will be out. So Friday night I'll probably record it. Do my picks for Saturday. And we'll go from there. I think Saturday will be Thursday. Was Thursday? Yeah, it'll be a Thursday-Saturday release. Um, and then we'll have... Um, next week will be Tuesday-Friday. Like I said, try to bring a guest on too, which won't be fitted into that schedule. That'll just be whenever I can do it. So... Whenever I can get like a bonus episode out with a guest, that's how we're gonna do it. I want to have like the set. I'll have like two solo shows, and then I'll have a guest in once a month. Uh, maybe that becomes a once a week thing. We don't. I don't know yet. We're, like I said, I gotta start small. I gotta start building it at a steady pace. So now we're an hour in, and we got some NBA talk. We got some NBA to talk about. Um, Drew Holiday leading the Bucks, heading to the Bucks, who was supposed to go there with Bojan Bogdanovic, but Bogdanovic never agreed to go into the Bucks in the sign-in trade. So now he's gonna become. We have a restricted free agent. Um, the Pelicans easily win that trade. I, I thought that was crazy value for Drew Holiday. I don't think Drew Holiday's worth all that. But they got crazy value for him. Um, and you, it's hard to say no to that because it's Drew Holiday. I don't really think Drew Holiday takes a team over the top. So that's a lot of value for a guy that doesn't really take a team over the top. Uh, and, and it makes me question. Do the Bucks know Giannis is staying and they made that deal because they know he's staying? Or did they make that deal... To convince him to stay, because that's two very different that that's two very different stories. That's two very different paths. That is where the split in the road goes. I, do you know Giannis is staying, or that's why you made the deal because you had the confidence to do it because Giannis is in a sign that supermax, or did you make that deal in hopes of him saying yes? Because if you made that deal in hopes of him saying yes and he walks, you are in trouble. You are in trouble, and I think that's gonna happen. I I 
I just can't picture him staying in Milwaukee. Uh, if that's if this is their last hurrah attempt, if Drew Holiday is their last hurrah attempt to shake things up and keep Giannis in town, I am sorry, Giannis is walking. Think of that. How do you keep Giannis around? We want to really keep Giannis around. Let's uh, trade swap. Let's, let's trade like three first round picks in the future for Eric Bledsoe and George Hill for for Drew Holiday. For Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday is a. Uh, He's probably an elite, he's a very good, I wouldn't say elite to a guard, he's he, probably an elite defender. He's a very good tempo-pushing, defending guard. But, uh, Drew Holiday's with Boston Celtics fans, thank Marcus Smartis. There we go. The Jimmy Butler one earlier was a little bit of a stretch. They're a little bit different players. But, I didn't want the Celtics to overpay for Drew Holiday. I didn't, and they didn't, they got. They didn't do anything. They, they stayed handcuffed to mediocrity, which we'll talk about. But I just thought that that was a uh, there's a lot to give up for Drew Holiday. But and and, and if Giannis hasn't already committed to them, and they didn't make that deal because he's committed to them. He's he they're trying to do that to make him commit. I don't know, man. I don't know. You're, you're saving grace is Drew Holiday, really? What can you do when you have Middleton on that contract? They they're very handcuffed. They're very handcuffed. The, uh, the 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 Bucks are. It's going to come down to how much Giannis can develop, really. Uh, but he does need some help. He really does need some help. Um, Harden and Westbrook reportedly want to use it. I know Westbrook for sure already does. Um, I, I don't know about Harden. I'd imagine he does. Celtics were reportedly interested. Then they weren't interested. Now they reportedly were again from Boston sources. But outside of that, uh, I believe it was from Shams that said the Celtics are not interested in Harden. I don't, why I don't know. I don't. Believe, I, I I just don't believe that Jason Tatum and Kemba Walker can be your one and twos, whichever order you want to put them in. They have to be your two and threes. You have to have a superstar on that team, and the Celtics don't have that. Neither they don't have a single one, a player, one a player, a a plus superstar to take over games. They don't. They don't. Tatum and Kemba are not that, and they're so scared to move Jalen and Marcus Smart in the picks they had. And that's why they settled in for Naismith. But, as I said, we'll, we'll stay on Harden and Westbrook. Meek Mill was trying to recruit Harden to Philly, which... I don't know what he has. What pull does he have? The, he knows where the best strip clubs are in, in Philly, so they can retire James Harden jersey in a strip club in Philly as well as Houston. I, lemon pepper wings, Lou Will? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what pull Meek Mill has. He's just he's just Meek Mill. He's boys of Robert Kraft, though. So maybe he does have some pull. Hey, he's boys of Robert Kraft. Maybe, uh... Maybe Robert Kraft can slip in one of those uh, Asian ma- massage parlor massages with some of uh, his his private people, and uh, yeah, he can bring uh, bring James Harden along with him. So maybe uh, we can stop the James Harden from being a strip club guy. We can turn him into a uh, Asian massage parlor guy. Or uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's what we can do. We can do that. That should bring him to Boston, because not a lot of people want to come here to play basketball. Um, I think in part that has to do with the racial divide in the city and the stuff of the Tory hunters and such. And the reports have come out with that. Because I don't have a lot to say about that. I haven't enough research in that. I, but I do think that factors into a lot of it. That there is a... There are some racial stigmas that come around with Boston. And, and that might do it for certain players. Uh, the climate the climate does suck too. Don't get me wrong. The climate's terrible. Uh, the weather's awful. As I'm saying, like the climate weather, not good. Especially for basketball season. Um, but I'm still kind of, I, I think, and I think that's Danny Ainge's way of leaking out, oh, we weren't interested in Harden, of him saying because they weren't, because the the package that the, I mean, 
the Rockets had been asking for too much, but what's too much for James Harden? What is too much for James Harden? Because he's one of the best, he's the best isolations, he's the best, one-on-one, probably the best scorer in the NBA. Top five, at least. Top five player in the NBA in general. Or top ten, at least. We'll say top ten. But, it, how do you, just, I don't think there's a ask too high for the Celtics, really. I think Tatum would be the only ask too high. But if you gave him, like, you could give up, like, Jalen and Kemba for James Harden? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Danny's very, normally very proactive. Um, it's why I have confidence. Onyeka Okongwu went six to the Hawks. Um, they already have a lot of backcourt, uh, frontcourt, frontcourt, frontcourt depth, um, which still gives me, and they, which still gives me hope that they might flip Gordon Hayward and some people f- with for Okongwu, Okongwu for the the seas. I still have some faith in that because of how much frontcourt depth um, Atlanta has. So that's, but I, I, I still think it handcuffs the Celtics. But again, like I'll, I'll finish up with Harden and Westbrook. I personally hope Harden goes, he reportedly wants to go to Brooklyn. I hope he goes to Brooklyn. I think that makes the NBA much more competitive. People can say, oh, how you can do that. All these smart market teams are getting crushed. That's just one team in the East. Yes, but we haven't had a legitimate title contender in the East since LeBron was in the East. And even then, the Warriors still mollywopped him when they brought KD in. You know what I'm saying? Like, we haven't had a legitimate title contender in the East. That would make them a legitimate title contender. Even if Kyrie's a whiny little bitch. I think KD and James Harden can still coexist. I think Kyrie will be able to do it for a year. I don't know if that's sustainable for the contracts of those guys. But I think for at least one year, they'd make it happen, win a title, then it would fall apart. But at least they give the title to the East. At least it adds that. At least someone competes in the East, and it's not just all the West you're worried about having to compete with LeBron out West. Um, like I said, I was touching on it. Celtics, I still believe, are handcuffed. They didn't have enough capital to really make a big-time move. I, I don't think. I don't think. Because if that's the value of Drew Holiday, it's hard to see. Wait, that's, that's a really elevated value for him. What, what do you consider a big-time move? I don't think they have an A-level superstar still. I think they have B and B-plus guys. I don't think they will challenge with, with, with Kemba or Jason Tatum as the number one option. And if the Celtics had had to move Jalen or Smart and some picks for Wiseman, I was all in. If you add a big man, and I don't think Jalen's some saving grace. Marcus Smart, you get rid of Gordon Hayward for the Cam Reddish that was rumored or a pick that was rumored. I would have been in for Wiseman. I would have been in for Wiseman. It would have been Kemba, Tatum, Wiseman. I would have been in for that. would have been in for that. Absolutely would have been in for that. But uh, Edwards went one. The Celtics stayed put. Like I said, I don't think Okongwu, Onyeka Okongwu from USC makes sense for the Hawks, uh, which is why I still think a trade with Boston is in play because they pushed back that Hayward uh, player option decision. Uh, I was really watching Tyrese Halliburton fall, 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 and hoping that he fell to the Celtics, bringing in Halliburton off the bench. I was like, wow, that'd be great. Uh, Naismith can shoot with the best, which would be huge off the bench, but Danny Ainge has not had a lot of success outside of the top 10. Players like RJ Hunter and such were supposed to be able to contribute too. I don't know if I'm sold in Naismith, but if he can add scoring off the bench and he can take some heat off of Marcus Smart having the jack as many shots he does, if Smart stays around, that I'm, bit, that I'm with. Because he can probably score better and shoot better than Gordon Hayward, which is huge. Um, I would have liked Hampton to fall to the Seas, uh, going two picks before that 26 spot. I think he's the biggest sleep in the draft, RJ Hampton. I think he's an incredible athlete. And as he can, can find consistency, <coughs> consistency in his shooting, I believe that He's going to be the biggest sleeper in the draft and one of the best scorers. He's going to have a very good NBA career, even going pick near the 30s. I, I think RJ Hampton really does have a good future in the NBA. 
Um, of course, before the draft, the Suns made that move for Chris Paul, who's still an elite two-way guard, will certainly help the Suns if Aiton can stay healthy. This is all dependent on whether DeAndre Aiton can stay healthy, because when he is, he's a board eater, a glass eater, really good defensive stalwart, and he can make a lot of plays and is, and is a brick wall of a screen setter. And he can hit from the mid-range. You know, he's a very, very good big man to have. Um, I would expect Devin Booker to score less, his usage rate to go down, but his efficiency to go up. Um, I think this is really good for Devin Booker. I think a lot of his stats are inflated, though, and how good people think he is as a scorer is inflated with those numbers because he's the only person in Phoenix that touches the ball. Now you have Chris Ball. Now, he's liable on defense as well, Devin Booker, but you have an elite, elite two-way player in Paul who can distribute on offense and can take some of the pressure off Booker having to create his own shot. And also adds to him being able to guard the best guard, which gives Booker more energy going forward. I think it's a good move for the Suns. What can they do for depth? What can they do for coaching? I don't know yet. I don't know yet. There's going to be a lot of moving parts there. I think a lot of it falls to DeAndre Eaton staying healthy. That's the big thing. That's that's the huge thing is DeAndre Eaton staying healthy. They gave a lot of pieces, a lot of their, their swing players. So it's going to rely on how good do you think Devin Booker really is. Because that's where most of your scoring is coming from. If if Aiton can stay healthy and Devin Booker continue to put up the numbers he is, I think they're going to dip a little bit. But, hey, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they will go up. But I think the Paul move is, hu is huge as a veteran leader. We'll see how they take to Chris Paul being the leader for that team. But I still think it's an incredibly productive... Um, he can be an incredibly productive player for them, especially considering the amount of defense that he plays and how good he is defensively. Um, but it sets up the whole NBA for a really exciting season. I'm excited to see Stan Van Gundy coach um, Zion and Lonzo too. But like, look at what Dwight Howard was under Stan Van Gundy when he was in the Magic. This physical beast. He's a freak. Just slam dunking everybody. Just letting him run wild with Stan Van Gundy. Physical phenom. And it, it, I'm interested to see the same thing with, with Zion. I think Zion can do very similar things. He's not, not the same height as, he's not the same size as, as Dwight, but has that same physical character, like same physical, physical characteristics, like similarities with him, and I think Lonzo's gonna be great. I think they're gonna be really great in that offense. Him and him, Lonzo and Zion have a really great chemistry. Um, they brought in Bloodsoe and Hill. I think Hill, Hill and Bloodsoe are gonna be packaged at some point. Um, but hey, I don't know. I, I don't think it makes Lonzo expendable. But I don't know. I don't know. But Lonzo's shots coming around. Lonzo so has a very high ceiling. I think. I think Brandon Ingram should be excited to see what Rashard Lewis did in Orlando during their prime time there. Um, as to, I'm not comparing Bi to Rashard Lewis, but I'm saying in that role, that wing shooter role. B.I. doesn't have to take a lot of the ball himself, especially with Lonzo and such. Um, I think I think that should be exciting. I, I, I think this is really exciting. I don't know how much they'll win with Stan Van Gundy. I don't. But I think that these young players are going to develop very well under him. And this, and, and not maybe not Stan, but the head coach after is going to have them really have a really good roster to work with um, as long as Van Gundy develops it well, which I think he will. I don't think they could have won anything with Van Gundy. Might make the playoffs next year. Uh, I have to talk about that as it gets closer, obviously, which is actually getting pretty close. Are we starting in December? Yeah, we're starting on Christmas time for the NBA. It's already NBA season. It, it just ended, but it's starting again. Um, but again, again, as it gets closer, which is a couple weeks away, which is crazy. Um, I think in the East, you still have legit title contenders now. Um, if Brooklyn, if they get James Harden, is a legitimate title contender. Um, I think Philly is. I think I think Philly's a legit title contender. If they get James Harden, and they were making moves when they traded, uh, what was it, a first, a second, Al Horford for Danny Green, all moves that are freeing up cap room for them. That's a lot of capital to give up with them to not think they're getting somebody back. So they're trying to wheel and deal. Um, those two are only only specific to if they get James Harden as legitimate title contenders in the East. 
I think the Bucks are a legit title contender. Um, losing that Bogdanovich trade, though, kind of hurts. I still think anytime you have Giannis, it's, they're still a legit title, uh, title contender. Um, and I think that Miami Heat obviously still are. I don't think the Celtics are a legit title contender unless they make a move for a legitimate big man. That's just me. It's unbiased, personally, just being me. I don't think they do. Um, the West stays exciting with the Suns move. And I had it here as the Warriors being back in the mix. I got an alert. Let me look at my phone. Um, let me go through. Uh, duh, 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 duh. Let me see what happened. And he suffered a season-ending Achilles injury, which is why I would have rather seen the, the Warriors take LaMelo because, you know, they probably knew they were going to lose Klay Thompson. And he would have had more trade value even if they didn't want him anyways. I thought the, the Warriors were going to be off a hunt, almost like a whole year of rest because, no, they didn't play in a bubble. They were out. Would have been right back in the mix. It would have been exciting again, and now Klay Thompson goes down. Your best defensive uh, backcourt player and one of the best catch-and-shoot players in NBA history. And you lose him. Um, so it's tough for the, the Warriors there. They have Wiseman. I'd rather have seen him take LaMelo to kind of fill that void that Clay was going to be missing, but I guess they didn't really specifically know uh, what was up with Clay at the time. So uh, that's just that's just a huge blow. That's a huge blow for the Warriors. I I, I still think they'll be in the mix, but that, that West is going to be that, that's going to be tough to compete out there, especially without having a player like Clay Thompson and Steph Curry. So, again, the Warriors look like they're going to be on the outside looking in come playoff time. But that's all I really have to touch on for the NBA. Uh, it's getting closer. Obviously, I'll have time for predictions and such and setting up more schedules. Like I said, I'll be more consistent, uh, more specific. Schedules, uh, like my, my football coach, uh, Mendes, Coach Mendes, been on breakfast and everything. says he lives his life by two spreadsheets. If it doesn't exist in either the budget one or the schedule one, it doesn't exist at all. I want to start living my life the same way, and a lot of that comes down to how much success I inconsistency I want to have with this. And consistency and success are very um, interchangeable in that. Uh, so we'll touch on the Masters. I envy this man, Dustin Johnson. I would love, just love, just, just, just love to be a single-digit handicap. I would, I would, I would love to be not play bogey golf for once. And like, I haven't played. This has rounds where I shot like what? Shoot plus three, a little harbor. Jared Gamble. Jared Gamble will attest to it. He was there. He's there for it. I brought Jared to the podcast before. He's, he'll attest to it. Hopefully he's listening. Um, but imagine just being a single-digit di single handicap golfer, how good that would feel. Or how about this? Having a wife that's at least, like, let's say seven. Seven, a fair number. Decent-looking wife. Dustin Johnson's only the best golfer in the world. Just won the Masters. And I'll, I, I'll put the picture. I've tweeted out the picture. Um, this happens to be married to a supermodel. But I'm not, I, I, I'm not putting that all down there as like to make him seem like this spoiled dude. Listen, he dealt with addiction issues. He's dealt with his addiction, addiction issues. He had to recover from COVID this year, which if we're to believe all we're to believe about it, whether he experienced symptoms or not, I, it's still very, it's got to be nerve wracking to have it. Um, he recovered from COVID, he beat COVID, and now he's a, he's a master champion. He got very emotional. You don't really see a lot of emotion from DJ usually, um, but he sets the record for at 20 uh, under 20 for the lowest Masters score, and it was incredible, incredible to watch, and incredible for Dustin Johnson. So all all the best to Dustin Johnson. Congratulations to Dustin Johnson on his Masters victory. Uh, we can touch it, 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 the Masters are just special. It's just special, Ugh, special. See, I spelt it wrong here. I, I spelt it wrong. I don't script these things, but I do bullet points. I spelt it wrong in the bullet points, and I pronounce it like I spelt it. 
without like the I. I just went with the AL. And I, anyways, uh, Tiger blew up for a ten. <laughs> it happened. I, I personally, I mean, I don't want to see it happen to Tiger, but I love seeing the pros when they blow up for big holes like that uh, because it's like it's everybody's human. Golf, golf is a very human, humanizing game. Uh, you know, even the pros can play. You know, stick it to six inches and uh, hole out from a hundred yards, and then they still do stuff like us, like like blowing up for a ten out of nowhere. So. It does make that that that's the cool thing about watching golf. You know, sometimes people be like, I can't watch golf, but when that stuff happens, it's like, it, it's just funny because like, yeah, all the same shit happens to us. And I'm an 18 handicap, and Tiger's one of the best is the best golfer in the history of golfers. And he's doing he put he put it, puts up a ten. I might not even put up a ten in the next round that I play. You know, and so that I just find funny. It, it happens to everybody at all times, even in the Masters. And then DeChambeau couldn't outscience Augusta. Um, what are you gonna do? He tried to outmath, outscience everything, and it didn't work. It didn't work. But I, I do think that he's he's very set up well for a very good career. Um, he's very progressive, and he's going in the. And he's very active, and he's he's very good at what he does. He's very good at what he does. So, the more experience he has in those tournaments and those courses too are going to really develop how much he changes the game for himself in those instances. And I think uh, JT and Rahm are well on the way to the future majors as well. J Justin Thomas played very well. Uh, John Rahm, really, really, really. I, that was my pick to win at the beginning was John Rahm. Obviously hit, hitting the tree there and really kind of falling off from there. But I really thought John Rahm was going to win it. I still think he has a lot of, like, very much of a positive future for majors as well. And JT was right up there too. So JT, Rahm, and DJ look like they're set to be battling up there for for, for a good long while uh, at, the, at the top of the world rankings and for all these majors coming up. So the last thing I have to touch on here before we close it out is the international break for the U.S. men's national team. I'm not going to read too, too much into it for the two friendlies. I do want to talk some soccer, though. Talk some international football, soccer. Um, I'm not going to read too much into it because it's two friendlies against Panama and Wales. But the attacking pressure was very positive adjustment, though. I thought the, the U.S. is very normally complacent. It's back. He, um, Bellrather, went with a lot of the kids, uh, let them go just go for the goal, go for goal, go for goal, really show some aggressiveness, really show some speed, really show some creativity. And I thought that was a great positive is that he, he kind of let he, he let him off the chain a little bit. He loosened up the chain, uh, let him loose a little bit. Uh, Serginho Des impressed at left back, can play very well at right back. Reggie Cannon played at the opposite fullback position, both of them providing a lot of energy, a lot of pace and creativity, like getting forward in the attack. Um, Gio Reyna, I've said it for a whole long while. I think he's the best prospect the U.S. has, and he continues to prove it. I've been saying that for a while, and I still believe it. I still believe it. Uh, Weston McKennie continued to play to solidify that midfield. Giorena scoring the free kick goal, just all around playing well. He just he looks very, very comfortable on the ball. Like I said a lot of positives. Can't be too quick to overreact to Panama and Wales, especially considering there were some defensive errors and defensive not errors, but. Just some let off on defense in both of those games, so that's really the thing. But to see positives from Gio Reyna, Pulisic not even being there, if you get Pulisic healthy. Reyna looks, Reyna just looks bad. I like I said, Reyna is the best prospect they have. Reyna, I'm very comfortable being able to have Gio Reyna for the next 10 to 15 years in the U.S. national team uniform, and we'll see where he moves if he, when he moves on from Dortmund, Dortmund eventually too. But I think a very bright future for Gio Reyna as long as he continues to stay healthy. I think Serginho Dest the same, and Reggie Cannon I think has a future overseas as well too, coming over probably from coming over from Houston um, sooner rather than later. But that's really all the subject I have to touch on. I was a very brief touch on the U.S. men's national team. Uh, we'll have like Liverpool and stuff coming back this week, so I'll be able to talk about them 
uh, in the international world of European soccer and such. Uh, so that pretty much does it for this episode. I hope you guys did enjoy. Uh, so again, this episode and the Rufus Rundown being brought to you by Vins Organics. It's a natural pain solve made of many safe, it's, it's a safe herbal blend to take away bruises, help with tattoos, stuff like that. And it all around has helped better. Um, you know, you look at all the facts at Icy Hot, there's a ton of, ton of chemicals. And then you look at, it's totally herbal, feels really good. And I wish I had the before and after pictures of my arms. I really do, because it really did help with that. Like, just in days, it would do it. Incredibly well-feeling, smells really good, and helps a ton. It's way better. It, I mean, it literally takes away bruise. It literally will just make your bruise disappear. Turn to yellow one day, and then gone the next. Really impressive stuff from uh, Vins Organics. Again, I'll leave the description uh, the link in the description to vinsorganics.com. And then again, Elite Athletic Gear is gear made by athletes for athletes. I use it through high school. I use it when I'm working out now. Sleeves, headbands, you name it. You get 15% off using the code Rufus Rundown over to EliteAthleticGear.com. Uh, and right now around holiday time and Black Friday and Cyber Monday coming up, you yeah, might be able to really snipe something for a low price with the additional 15. So head on over to Elite Athletic Gear. You get your 15% off using the code Rufus Rundown. Like I've mentioned a couple times, I, I do want to touch on the schedule going forward. Tuesday, Fridays, but I'm hoping one guest a month as well, at least one guest a month, um, and that'll be that won't be on that Tuesday, Friday schedule. That'll be thrown in as well. Uh, so different co possible content possibilities. Anything you guys want to see? If you want to see FIFA stuff again, um, I did stream uh, Foot Champs this weekend. If you guys want to see that, but it's a new dedicated approach. I'm really focusing on this. I really want to take it uh, even more seriously, and I want to take it from where I brought it, because I brought it up very well over quarantine, I do want to continue to push it to a, a level above that, because that thousand that thousand subscriber mark is not too far away. It is not too far away to hit a thousand subs in the very near future, which would be absolutely huge for me. So tell your friends, tell your family, hit that sub button. Thanks for stopping by. Be sure to like and subscribe, like I said. Follow me on Twitter. My personal is LucasJ16. Uh, Rufus Rundown on Twitter for the page. Rufus Rundown on Instagram. I think it's official Lucas J. Ferrer for my personal Instagram. And then the Facebook page, The Rufus Rundown. Be sure to subscribe on Apple and Spotify podcast, as well as follow on Anchor as well. Check me out over on Hot Mike. Use code Rufus Rundown over on Hot Mike too, because I'm trying to do some more streams and some more live podcasts over there as well. Um, you'll probably be, that's one of the content possibilities I've been talking about is doing more live shows. But that's all, like I said, in due time. And when it, the time comes, you will know because it will be out there. It's, you know, and I don't want to talk about it and then not do it. I'm going to do it, and that's when you hear about it, and then we'll stick with it. So I thank you guys all for tuning in. Give me any feedback you need down in the comment section below, or just hit me up personally. It's your boy Rufus, signing off.